Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. Just a bit of a heads up warning before we get going. My daughter Edith is in the room. As some of you will know who she is by now. So if there is any background noise on this week's podcast, I do apologise. That will be her. But not just Edith being around. I'm also joined by the other young love of my life. And that is Stu. How you doing, Stu? Oh, much better now. What a wonderful description to get early <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> not too bad, thank you. Good. So before we get into it, I mean, I've had an interesting week with lots of like tinkering and, and stuff like that with, with a PC. Um, because discovering that that when you get a PC to play games, you don't do any of the playing of games. You tinker and look for more ways to tinker and then work out that that costs too much to tinker so you find cheaper ways to tinker. Yeah, so I think I'm now full PC convert. You've gone, yeah, you have gone off the high side. And, of course, I would never stoop so low, he says, looking at his PC that has now got his graphics card mounted vertically and RGB flashing along on it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I've got to a point where I've got RGB lights on the, on the system I got given, and I can't actually control the RGB lights. They're just like they've got one set and they pulsate, and that's it. And I'm now looking, going, ah, uh, if I get some RGB fans that I can plug into the motherboard, I can control them, and that's tempting. It is. I'll tell you what, right? Okay, very quickly in defence of RGB, right? Because I was a skeptic as well, but think of like. PCs, when they, they were just big beige cases and they got in the way, and then they finally started putting them in like black cases, which was a little bit better. But then you got like a big 2001 A Space Odyssey monolith in the corner of your room. So they stuck tempered glass so you could see inside them and see what was going on. And that's fine, but they look a bit industrial. So now they've got lights on them and they've made them prettier. So in defense of RGB, we've gone a long way from those horrible beige boxes. Yeah, what I'd actually like to see happen next, and it might be a thing, Actually, so you can you can tell me this is almost like the PC equivalent of the uh, Panasonic or Philips Ambilight stuff. So when you're playing a game, the RGB on the case matches what your game's doing. You can already do that with some keyboards. Some keyboards will do things like put the logo of the game on the keyboard in LEDs. Oh wow! Yeah, it's pretty impressive. I haven't got that, but you can do it. I hear. Um, but yeah, I've got, I say, it, the cases are definitely a lot nicer from the last time I got a, a new PC because usually I'd stick it under a desk. But in my, I don't want a PC to blow up on me um, in the ridiculous heat and stuff. I've actually got it on a table next to my monitors now. And it's like, yeah, it looks the part. It doesn't look ugly. It looks like it could fit. The only issue is probably the wires out the back. But you want to see behind my TV as well. That's ridiculous. And also with with the modern ones, if you get if you've got a really cold room in your house that you want to game in, just buy a gaming PC because boy, that will heat it up if it's a powerful one. Yeah, you should, you should feel the heat that kicks out of mine. It's ludicrous. But no one, no one warned me how paranoid I would get over fans. Yeah, um, it's yeah. like it, it, I start playing. I think I'm starting playing like something that's slightly intensive. The fan goes up a little bit. Nowhere near like the rocket engines that are out of a playstation 4 but the fans go up a little bit and i'm like oh my god oh my god it's breaking my pc's but i need more fans how many more fans can i stick in it um (laughs) there we go but apart aside from tinkering we'll go with what we usually do what have you been playing Stu? 
Well, to keep in the PC theme, I've, I've been mostly playing on Death Stranding and it's absolutely fantastic and talked about it in so much detail last week. I'll just briefly say it reminds me of one of my favourite games of, of all time, which is D2 by a guy called Kenji Ino, who sadly died. Uh, he was a music producer mainly, but got into games uh, in the latter part of his career. And unfortunately, yeah, I can't remember now how he died, but he, he died about 10 or more years ago. And yeah, um, yeah anyway long story but he only produced a, a handful of games one of which was d one of which was d2 the sequel on the dreamcast and that also has a lot of traversal through inhospitable environments and then you come across something that's visually amazing and, and marks a huge turn in the story so what i might try and do is stick up some footage of that me playing d2 alongside playing um death stranding and so people can see the comparisons because i don't think anyone's drawn that conclusion yet uh and that's because i'm ancient and also played practically every game ever made back in the year 2000 so uh yeah. i'll do that <clears throat> apart from that i've been playing panzer paladin which i also mentioned last week and it's a mashup of all sorts of early nes and late 80s arcade games um very much in the style of uh, Castlevania and its layout, so it's you know platformy action, and you have a sword like all the Wonder Boy games except for the first one, I think, and a shield. And yeah, it's it's really good fun. Uh, it won't change the world. Uh, you asked me last week, is it an homage or is it its own thing? And I said it's got enough in it to be its own thing. I think I've probably walked that back a little bit now and say I, it's. Yeah, I'd say it's firmly an homage to all those sorts of games, really, but a good one. Um, yeah. Yeah. And yesterday I just started playing Eastern Exorcist, which is a Soulsborne, because everything is, and it's in the art style of Vanillaware's games. Now, v Vanillaware did Odin Sphere, Muramaza, and Dragon's Crown, along with a few others. They've got a new game coming out, I think, this year. And they're practically my favourite developer of all time, maybe, apart from, like, classic Capcom and classic yeah. Sega AM1 and AM2. Absolutely love them. And what they have, for those who don't know, is an art style where it's... <laughs> Sorry, it's just what they have is, okay, it's it's big boobies and big pecs. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of that. <laughs> I wonder if the development team do. But there you go, that's, that's a question for another time. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of they, they, know, they know what they are, and I love them for it. They, they, yeah. it's, everything is ridiculous. I spoke about yeah. I spoke about it with the two Rebecca's. They, they just go, look, we're going to be ridiculous and we're going to... We're gonna, sort of like go extremes with one type of character we'll do it with everyone so fair play to them. but go on carry on carry on yeah no it's great it is it's totally over the top and they do that thing where they, they you can have a character who's got a body that's literally 10 times the torso the 10 times the size of their legs which is hilarious uh but yeah they do this kind of i'm not sure what the art style is called it's where you animate you like you have cut out like oh god what would you call it so like cartoonish cutouts that are kind of stitched together and move independently. I really can't describe it. It reminds me of um, of, our, of of a style that they used to have in kids' TV when I was a kid. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Pictures. I'm sure yeah. animators know what it's called, but yeah, I know yeah. the song you mean. I couldn't tell you what it's called either. Oh, no, I've got a freaking clue what it's actually called. But it looks really good. It makes it, the game look like a cartoon. Totally different from like Cuphead, which is 
arguably even better. But anyway, it's a lovely, lovely style. It's got great artwork in um, in this Eastern Exorcist game. Not to the level of Vanillaware, but, you know, nice. And yeah, you're, you're a samurai. You're traversing this landscape. It's 2D. And it starts off looking like it's going to be a regular kind of hack and slash, but there's a lot of Soulsborne elements. So there's a lot of parry. There's a stamina bar and all that kind of thing. And there's a there's a wrinkle. I'm not sure if it's in the, the Souls games because I don't play them. But where if you don't like banish the corpse of the enemy you've just defeated, it will come back almost immediately stronger. Um, oh, wow. Which is pretty, which is pretty clever. I'm not so sure I've ever seen that in a game before. So yeah, it's kind of like not only do you have to be really sharp and on point in defeating enemies, but then you also have to do your due diligence and get rid of the buggers afterwards. So that's quite a neat wrinkle. I'd like to see how that pans out over the the course of the game. So yeah, yeah, not bad at all so far. Only about an hour in, but not bad. Oh, that sounds that sounds interesting. I can't wait to give that one a go myself. Um, so I've been playing loads of odds and ends, really. Again, as I set things up and go through my vast library and also try out a few new things that I've been sort of like sitting on waiting for a PC. And then I played a lot of Spelunky. <laughs> um, I don't need to describe Spelunky. Everyone's played Spelunky. Everyone knows what Spelunky is. So I'm going to just focus on a, a couple of games. One I've just done a review for called Liberated, which was a game where it was... Everything about it's right up my street. Uh, it ticks all my boxes. It's an indie game. It's got a lovely visual style. It's got an an interesting, if cliched, story to it. Because, again, I love the hypocritical nature of entertainment industries where they go, capitalism is bad, monitoring people is bad, but we need to do that to get the best numbers, to get these sales, and please buy our capitalist thing. Right from AAA, right down to indies. I just, I just find that... that um, that juxtaposition just really amusing, but I still like the stories that come out of it. So Liberated is this uh, neo-noir style game where a group are rising up to stop the government from snooping on people and monitoring them in every single way, their social media and making sure they're using all the different social media, watching certain videos and it affects their credit rating. A bit of um, one of Charlie Brooker's Black Mirror episodes. Bear with me. What? What, that game? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm talking about a different game. Yeah, hang on. Yeah, we'll talk about that game in a minute. Don't worry. That's the interruptions I spoke about. Anyway, it's, yeah. It's got a style that's like a graphic novel style um, and it's done animated just enough to make it look like it's had some influence from like Frank Miller's Sin City as well. And it's uh, action adventure where you move through the pages, you do some twin stick shooting to a degree. It feels a bit like inside as well. Um, and I looked at it, it was like, this is going to be brilliant. The problem with it is, there's too many things going on within the game. There's too many minor little mechanics. There's a random quick time events thrown in for no apparent reason. There's sections of the game that look like they're introducing a, a certain mechanic that you don't ever use again or very rarely see again. And it just feels like a whole bunch of developers, or like people who are working on the game, have all had their input. They've all wanted their part in the game and no one's gone strong enough to go, actually, no, let, let's not do this bit. 
as a case in point, the introduction to the game is a really interesting opening story, and it is good. But then you get these brief 30-second bits of gameplay thrown in amongst two, three minutes of opening scene. And it just makes everything feel too bitty. And it's just like, just get on with it. Please just get on with it. I want to get to the gameplay. Mm. Um, and it's, it's, it's strange because I don't want to like dump on it too much because it's not a bad game. It's a good game. But it's it needed more time. It needed some someone to turn around and go, look, cut this, cut that. Just hone this in a little bit and you're, you'll be golden. Uh, but it's a shame because I think it would have been down as one of uh, the better indie titles of the last few years had someone have gotten to just reel it in a little bit. But they didn't, mm. and it's average. And fair play to the developers. I tweeted about it, and I was quite open with like what I felt about the game in the actual tweet, that it misses the mark. Blah, blah. And they retweeted it as well. I was like, fair play. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. fair, fair play to you guys. If you're going to do that, then... Good. At least it means shows they're either accepting of it and criticism, or they're very aware that maybe they did miss the mark a bit. Yeah, it's good to accept that. That well, talking about that reminds me a lot of gaming back in sort of the early nineties. The, the, there were a lot more games like that that were like, oh, it's got this type of gaming and that type of gaming. Yeah. And more so on like the home computers, like the Amiga, where you. One minute you'd be driving a car and the next you'd be doing a Sudoku puzzle and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I never got on with that. I never got on with mixing that because it, because like you've discovered with this one, I found it so hard to get the balance right and make each type of game interesting in it. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that's the thing. I mean, some games have done it, but that's been the point of the game. Um, as I say, liberated, it just falls short, which is a shame. Um, so Another game I've been playing, if we're talking Souls Ball, and I've only tried the opening, say, half hour, is a game called Hellpoint, which is very much, it's Souls Ball in space, is the best way I can describe it. And it's from Tiny Build, do Hello Neighbor and stuff like that, um, and developed by Cradle Games. And it's it's interesting. It's, it's a bit rough around the edges compared to, uh, like, Dark Souls and um, Bloodborne and even something like The Surge and, and things like that. I think it's just it's lacking a little bit of that polish. However, it's just as brutal and it plays just as well on the whole. Controls are maybe a little bit loose at parts and it doesn't feel it has the weight behind it of those games, but it's difficult and I'm enjoying it. I haven't got that far into it yet because it's kicking my ass. But yeah, no, it's, it's it's an enjoyable enough game, and yeah, if you're looking for something just to follow after you've done all your Soulsborne, that's already out there, that is available for you. Oh, is it a third-person action 3D or a 2D one? No, no, it's a so it's a full-on 3D behind-the-shoulder oh. type jobby. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, that that's what it is, and also of the other ones, I'm going to say I've played Golftopia. As well is another one. It's in early access. And that is a basically a city builder, but using a golf resort. And it's it's interesting because this is a mix of two genres that shouldn't work, but they do. So you've got so like with theme parks, uh city skylines and things like that, you've got to build your 
your dream golf course. Um, you get full control over what the the the, uh, the greens look like, the actual course itself. You have to then micromanage the finances, the entertainment, every little bit you'd expect in a sim management game. And you can do some really, really nice stuff. And uh, you've got to get it to be, like, be basically the biggest golf resort in the world. And it's the you know most futuristic. It's got the best courses, everything. And then it turns into a bit of a tower defense game during it, which you've got to manage against like um, like weeds that are continually growing and, and trying to inf like infest your, your golf course and take over and ruin your golf course. And you've got to manage those in a tower defense way by putting up turrets and things like that. And then all the while still managing this golf course like a serious sim management game but you can also have the option of finding like pinball mechanics on greens to make them ludicrously fun and it's, it's just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous but i love it I, I love a game that's just gone do you know what let's just go for it shall, shall shall we put this shall we put this idea in there it doesn't make any sense and someone's just gone eh, why not Oh, if they'd, if they'd thrown in a bit where you have to keep out a giant orange man baby with ridiculous hair <laughs> who happens to be president of the United States, it'd probably be the perfect game. To be fair, it's in early access, so you don't know. They've still got time. It's a possibility, yeah. But yeah, that's, that's from Min Max Games Limited. Um, I'm going to try and do this a bit more, try and put in who the developers are, especially on the indie games. But yeah, it's it's well worth checking out. I can't remember how much it actually was. It's not overly expensive, but it's in early access. It's just over £15 in early access, but it's not an early access game where there's nothing there. It feels very close to being done with just the odd little bug in there. But yeah, overall, give, give, if you get a chance, give that a go. It's brilliant and ludicrous all at the same time. That does actually sound really good, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, sorry, just the, the way they position the weeds as enemies in terms of like in their trailer and everything, it's like they are enemies. Like you get alien, like alien attackers or something like that. It's like the, the weeds are the enemy, which is a kind of how I imagined like golfers, like people who run golf courses to actually be. It's like nature is the absolute enemy of the golf course. And yeah, it's yeah, but no, it's brilliant. Give it a go. So that, that's really it. I mean, I could go into detail some other games, but I don't think I will. What I will touch on, though, is something that I've been doing the last week or so, and I, I'm really happy with this, is my daughter, she's three, and she's just started discovering video games properly. We used to, like, give her just something on a phone to play with, and she wouldn't know what she was doing. And she's just hit that mark now where she knows what she wants to do in a game. Can't always control them properly, um, but on the whole, does really well. It started off with Pokemon Go. She's doing some Mario Run, and then we're progressing on to some Brawlhalla. She likes Brawlhalla. She she loses a lot, but she's got the concept down. Um, and then joining me on the PC, we played some Ember together, um, which is a, a, a comical firefighting sim. It, it's an entertaining game. We both enjoyed it. Um, she started do, like doing a, a stream with me, but I'm really enjoying being able to sit down with her and play games because my son's got to that age where he's picked about three or four games that he likes and that's a lot. 
and he'd rather play with his mates rather than his dad um, because that's what it is. So, yeah, discovering video games with my daughter has just been a, a wonderful, wonderful experience. And it, it's, I've never stopped loving video games or anything like that, but it's just, it just brings that extra bit of joy that was maybe missing for a little bit. Where, do you, do you know how we can be cynical with games? Yeah. She's not, she's not, she, she absolutely loves it. Yeah, that thing about cynicism with kids is great because like you can listen to something like oh, let's hear let's go back way back like Star Trekking or like Mr. Blobby or yeah. some like ridiculous Mr. You know, the Crazy Frog or something uh, or you know pick an example from not the previous century um, and you listen to it and you're like oh god that's so terrible but then like you'll be there with the kid listening to it and they'll get so much joy and fun that you do your cynicism just drops for a short time and you just have the pure pleasure of dancing to something stupid and yeah no it's great when that happens when you're around kids oh yeah definitely and the, i'll tell you the one thing that done it for me recently was i was always when it comes to the film frozen i was very much oh god this is aimed at young girls it's going to be absolutely terrible you can tell it's just for the merchandise i was very cynical over it um and i knew that time was going to come i was in a position where i was able to enjoy it much much more than i would have done probably being just a cynical old fella watching it on their own so yeah definitely children add that extra bit they do get on your nerves as well because they shout randomly but <laughs> oh, the timing perfect. I'll get yeah. it in a minute, Edith. There you go. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, no, it, it, it's that. So kids are the worst, but they are also wonderful and can help you enjoy things that you might otherwise not enjoy. Totally. But anyway, that's enough of that. I've not got much. I say I've been so busy um, of late that I kind of nothing really to talk about on the mental health side of me but i know you've had an interesting for want of a better word couple of weeks so i'm gonna hand over to you Stu, to go over that yeah well like a lot of people uh in this situation i've been made redundant and it actually wasn't caused by initially caused by coronavirus it was a decision that the business had made for our entire team about ooh, well it was may last year so it's like yeah 14 months or so ago. This is a long time. Yeah, just this this last Friday was my last day. And so, yeah, I'd been working for Unilever for 12 years in a few different roles, and I really loved it there. It's If you don't know it, it's the company that makes Ben & Jerry's and Wall's Ice Creams and Flora. Well, it used to. We don't own Flora anymore. <laughs> it's not we. Oh, God, that's going to take a while to get used to. Uh, Magnum. Um, links slash axe body spray. Yeah. So, you know, one of the biggest companies in the world for that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, so it was a huge wrench and it feels extremely weird. So it got that real sadness of not being there anymore and not, you know, I won't be seeing those people and doing a job that I generally enjoyed uh, to also having like a bit of euphoria, uh, that weird thing of, yeah, sudden freedom, kind of like leaving the Earth's atmosphere kind of feeling of anything's possible. You know, you've got potential to do anything and a new world and a new life. Um, yeah, both of those things colliding. You can be up one minute and down the next, but mostly feeling really kind of hopeful. 
which is very strange. It's a very strange situation at this time. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are in the same same place as me right now because of that happening. And yeah, just a very odd yeah, one. No, yeah, no, I, I, I know exactly what you're what you're talking about there because from a different feeling, I mean, I should be stressed, gutted, worried that I have no work at the moment. Um, and those prospects are quite potentially gone. But at the same time, yeah, I, I went from, oh, God, what am I going to do? No work to being quite comfortable with it at the moment. And it gives you a chance to reset at the moment. I think that that's, gives you a nice balance at the same time. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, I, you know, I acknowledge I'm in a, a more fortunate situation than some because my wife works and... Uh, although unfortunately she's getting made redundant in November. Um, but yeah, she does work and, and I got redundancy obviously, which helps. Um, uh, even though that's a double-edged sword really, because I, I'm not eligible for, um, mm. you know, for universal credit because of, because of that, which means I, I don't have any income until I get a job. So that's a kind of, there's nothing in life that's just straightforward. No. It's always, always a double-edged sword uh, at least multi-edged sword if you will um so yeah no it's it's a bit odd I, i'm glad that in your your situation has worked out god over this pandemic period because it could have been awful and then with the prospect of it being awful in the future and i think the best that we can hope for all of us at the moment is that things aren't awful right at this moment and that's about as far as forward as we can look yeah um and let's say it gives you because again i know like, as you spoke you're, you're looking to move down into a new career which is something I'm trying to do as well. You know, I, I spoke about before, um, like my passion for graphic design has just completely fallen through the floor. And I just, I just don't want to do it anymore. And this has given me the opportunity to refocus what I want to do. And that has been uplifting. And I said, I know from like what, you, what we've spoken about before with you, it's something you want to do. You want to refocus what your career is. And I think... The timing sucks in a way, but the timing's also helped for people who do actually want to go, right, what do I actually want to do in my life? It's given them the opportunity because either through decisions they've made themselves or being forced into it, they've been given the chance to reevaluate. And I've, again, hopefully for as many people as possible, they get to the point where the decisions they make now benefit them in the in the long term we know there's no short-term answers at the moment because everything's so up in the air but there's a good chance for everyone to benefit in the long term i think that that it, it does leave you in a weird place mentally and I, I struggle with how that makes me feel at the right time as i said i think i spoke about struggling that i feel positive during times like this and the guilt that comes with that and also, but then having those down moments where it's like, why am I feeling like that? That's selfish of me because of other people uh, having it much worse and, and that sort of thing. So it's it's really weird to go that sometimes your mental health, it's just a, such a weird balancing act that say with you, you should have the absolute negative where, you know, you've been out of, you, you're coming out of work without knowing what your immediate prospects are and that should be the most daunting thing ever but for you know for me that feels like that should crush you but you found something 
possible like possibly uplifting out of it or positive from it and i think that that shows great strength for character oh thanks well i mean yeah i, I it definitely ties into what you were saying about the idea of career change as well i think um i think i'm not losing something that I, i'm losing something that i feel is at a stage where that's okay because i've been doing it for so long yeah if if i'd been there for less time and loved it or and or that was the exact type of thing i've always wanted to do and and it was being taken away from me i think that would be a very very different thing and i think it's been a solid two years maybe even as many as three now that i've been working towards getting certification and experience in, in mental health advocacy and that's definitely where i want to go so even if i don't go go there in the next jump even if it's a few jumps down the line, it's 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 definitely a plan. It's a career plan in my head. So yeah, it kind of, in a way, that the positive side is it's freeing me to just concentrate on that plan, which is nice. But yeah, I, I never let go of the fact that there's people out there who are getting made redundant at the worst possible time, and and the uh, the level of damage that must be doing to their mental health as well. Yeah, it's right. I'm not going to turn the try the hardest not to turn this into a political thing or anything like that when we talk about it. But the the frustrating thing is for everyone who's getting made redundant from certain jobs uh, or where industries are crumbling. So like the the, the high street is crumbling, uh, for example, and it has been for years and this has just sped things up. But we should be looking at, right, look, look at, healthcare workers look at the nhs look at the great work they do and we should be going right look let's let's get some funds into that let's let's create jobs here so that if anything happens again if it gets worse or we get hit by something far worse or even we find war people are there and they know what to do because we've got people available to do this we've got people to look after people we've got people who are experts in these fields but again, all of a sudden we get to the point where, great, the NHS have saved our prime minister's life, but he's still gonna stick him in the bin. They're not gonna get the, you know, the money thrown at them that they need thrown at them to 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 only get better and better. So where people are losing their jobs, there should be roles in other industries that are there, but they're just not being catered for at the moment, and that that is a shame, and that's the thing that probably worries me the most that. We're looking at the people in power at the moment and they're still they're trying everything they can, every little thing they can to try and revert back to how things were. Um, but at the same time, this is where the, the flip side of things come. The hope is they're not winning that battle. They aren't finding it easy to go back to the way things were. They've got themselves into a position where now we've got this thing, oh, if we open the schools, the pubs have got to close. And... They don't know where to stand with that because many people are going, well, all right, that's fine. Open the schools, close the pubs. That That's suitable. But they can't go full into that because they know the people that they do get going to the pubs, if they do that, they're going to lose those votes because they piss them off way too much. So it's, it's kind of weird. Watching the government destroy itself from the inside through incompetence gives me so much hope and that someone else is going to come in or something else is going to come in it's going to create these new jobs moving forward and i think if we can all get through together these next i'm going to say next couple of years um, because i'm not naive to think these next couple of months or anything like that if we can get through these next couple of years as a society 
help each other through as much as possible and then come out better on the other side. That gives me a lot of hope. And again, it with you going into what you want to do, and I, I want to move into mental health with kids specifically. That's what I want to do. And if I can do that and these next months allow me to do that, then it can only be a good thing. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I, I think that there's always been a, well, often has been in sort of, you know, the last couple of hundred years at least, since the Industrial Revolution, that when they have, when we have terrible times, normally you know, caused by war rather than a pandemic, there's often a kind of new deal. Um, there's, there's often a, a, recogn- a recognition by all political parties that there has to be, there's a new paradigm, there's a new way of living. People live in different places, a different do have different skills and are doing different kind of jobs. And whether that's like women coming into the workforce instead of being homemakers, or whether it's, you know, working from your home office, there's a different way of operating. And I think that eventually, yeah, there's going to be a, a sweep of changing reform and tax and all that sort of stuff that reflects the modern world because at the moment it doesn't at all you know it's very very stuck in an earlier paradigm of where all the shops were on the high street and you had a local grocer and you had all the time in the world to go there and all this sorts of stuff and things are going to change you know the amount of office space being hired is going to drop so turn them into houses there's going to be fewer shops on the high street so turn them into services and you know there's going to be more people working from home so pedestrianize more more areas and once you sort of get your mindset into what can be accomplished as a positive, you can sort of see that, yes, somebody will come along to, well, a nice way of saying it would be to enable it. Yeah. Some people will come along to exploit it. That's human history. Bugger all you can do about it. But um, I think that will will eventually happen and it will have to happen. And yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to that. I think your timescale of two years is probably about right, actually. Yeah. Two or three is traditionally how long these things take and to start changing, yeah, I think. To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, to make that make the the start of the the end of the beginning, as it were. So yeah. The way I want to put it, and again, uh, this is going back to sort of like my daughter's getting to that age now, is everything that gets said about why certain things can't be done, just answer it with why. You know, it's, we can't just throw money at the NHS. Yeah. Why? No, it's, it's a really good point. And I think that... Uh, one thing I learned in work, a great thing that I took away was there's a, there was this thing, and I think it's still pervasive in Toyota, which is the five whys. So if you ask the question why five times, like you said, you'll eventually get to the truth of why something happened. And it, that should be just done in daily life because otherwise nothing ever changes. And uh, yeah, so things will change. And that's always a, always a, you know, always a good thing when you're feeling that you're at the worst that it can get it's always good to know that change is always possible yeah change is a good thing i I, it takes a while to discover that and again you can make positive change and i'm going to talk about this one next week actually but i'll give a, a little tidbit to it making change is possible but don't ever give someone the bullshit You've just got to want that change because when you turn around to someone who's been trying to make changes, trying to better themselves, trying to better their lives, and you make it out to them that they haven't wanted it hard enough, that is soul-destroying. It's not about wanting that change. It's having the ability to make that change. 
Now, that can be positive. You might, for example, you might hit a windfall. A relative might, a long lost relative might die and leave you a nice sum of money. And you can use that sum of money to buy a house or to pay your rent for a number, for a period of time and use that money saved to then learn a new skill to go and do something else. Or it could come from me hitting universal credit, which has meant I know my rent can be paid, so I haven't got to constantly scrabble around for the smallest paid jobs or beg people for the wage Naomi uh, and things like that. Or it could be like you've had where... You've been made redundant, so you've got no choice but to do something else. And there are ways of doing it. It's But you give people the right platform to be able to make those changes, and they can make those changes. Um, but when you tell somebody they don't want something hard enough, that has the worst crushing effect. And it's something, again, I don't want to mention the G word, but those in power, um, it's what they do. Whenever we don't get what we want, it's because we've not wanted it enough. When things go wrong, it's we didn't want the change enough. We didn't want to do what's best for the country. And it's always put on us. And we've got to learn that we need the better platform to be able to want the change, to be able to want these things. It is a PlayStation, and that's a PlayStation. Yeah, I think that summarises it nicely. Yeah, yeah all that. Captain, Captain, and that's a PlayStation. Daddy was making a very important point about government, Edith. Yes, we will do that. On the, uh, it's not on the Switch. She wants to play Fall Guys, by the way, uh, for, just for context. Yes, we will up... No, it's download, but it's not available on the Switch. What I'll do, okay, I will send this podcast to Devolver Digital and I will tell them that Edith wants it on the Switch. Yeah? Switch. On Dobby Switch, okay. Just to go back to gaming for just one quick let's, moment. Let's go for it. Yeah, because otherwise this is going to turn into another political rant. So let's let's go back to gaming to finish off. <laughs> well, it was just the thought came to me when you were talking about that is like how surprised I was and how I've kind of forgotten about how surprised I was that there was no Switch copying with PS5 and That's Xbox Series X. I just assumed that they would try and force some sort of oh you know being able to play it handheld will be a big part of it blah 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 to try and steal some switch market and they haven't even touched it i'm really surprised no, I, I agree and i think the reason that has happened was i think even though it made them money in on the whole was the pr disasters that were connect and move and stuff like that yeah um i think they've learned that they can't do it let nintendo be nintendo i mean microsoft i've going in a direction that is gonna again make them unique you're gonna have a reason to have all three major players soon all four if you include pc as well because microsoft are going for games as a service but not in the usual games as a service way in terms of look here's our game built for the best hardware you can play it anywhere you can play it on your xbox if you, like your first uh, your normal Xbox One, if you want, because we'll stream it to that. Mm. Um, we'll deal with the power. You might have put up with a couple of little issues with maybe some lag or, or whatever. You can play it on the best new hardware. You can play it on your PC, your phone, play it wherever you want. And with Games Pass, we know you can't afford sixty seventy pounds a time on your phone. Yeah, we, we know you can't afford sixty seventy pounds for each individual game plus the hardware. So I'll tell you what. Look, it's a reasonably priced solution 
that gives you access to a lot of games, not all games, but a lot of games that you can just play for a subscription. It works with Netflix, so this is it working with games. Mm. Sony are still going, I think, for the we're going to keep producing generations of consoles, so we'll get a PlayStation 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, whatever. Um, but they're also realising that they've got to change a bit or, you know, they have really got to stick to what they do. They, they're going with PlayStation now but don't seem to put enough behind it. So they're going to go for the pure, here's the specs, here's the hardware. Yet the mistake they're making at the same time is things like their DualShock 4 isn't compatible with the PlayStation 5. But it is with certain PlayStation 4 games that you can play on there, but not all PlayStation 4 games that you can play on there. And it's just ridiculous. And again, I'm loving seeing the shade being thrown about again. I'm not a console wars person, but Microsoft last night, within a couple of hours of Sony talking about the non-compatibility, went, oh, yeah, by the way, the new Xbox controller, you can use that on the old Xbox or PC or whatever. And the old Xbox controller, yeah, you can use that on the Xbox Series X. You have got to love that bit of shade. It's that they've got their revenge, I think, for the this is how you um, swap games with a friend that Sony hit them with all those years ago. But yeah, so yeah, a nice, a nice bit of console wars to finish is always good rather than shit show that's happening around us. I think that's it from me. Edith, do you want to say bye? Seeing as you've been joining in, no, you're going to be silent now. You're choosing now to be silent. Okay, there you go, kids. So, just to finish off, then again, if you enjoy what we're doing, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Discord, Instagram, Facebook. You can support us on Patreon or Coffee if you if you want to help us keep servers up and and stuff like that. We are also now doing more on Twitch. Um, I've set a regular streaming schedule. Mondays will be with my daughter. Last week we played a train, or this week, sorry, we played a train game, uh, Train Sim World, and she lasted 10 minutes, even though it's the one she wanted to play. But there you go, kids. Tuesdays are just quick looks at new games. Thursdays will be a long play of something, possibly with comms, possibly without. And Fridays will be just general mental health chat um, over playing a video game. The game will probably have no relevance to what we're talking about, but it's, you know, it's just a bit of background vigil while we while we chat so come and join us at those you can search for us on twitch at mental health gaming live links in the description and everything and yeah so you can join us with that but once again i've been bradley i've been joined by Stu. thank you for listening until next time stay safe